Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. Welcome, everybody, to This Humana Life. I am Carmen Pantoja Evans, and I am here with Brittany LaMare and Tara Dolina and our guest, Al Klein. And we're so excited to have him uh, in this interview and going to find out about what Al supports. And um, I've always heard him, man, uh, so I want to know what he is all about. So welcome, yeah, Al. Thank you. I feel like we have a celebrity, Al. I just ah. that I always see on buzz, you know, who is this yeah. person? Yeah. So we are going to, so Brittany, I know you always have these fantastic fun questions that I always love hearing you ask uh, folks. So sure. this is uh, a couple of quick little icebreakers. Um, this is one of, surprisingly has turned out to be one of my favorite questions. Um, what is your favorite emoji? Oh, my favorite emoji. Wow. That's a great question. There are so many of them. I tend to, I tend to gravitate toward the ones that are, you know, uh, something pretty simple, like a just a thumbs up or a heart or something like that. But I did see one the other day where it looked like it was like a whole little group of people with a heart smack dab in the middle of it, and and I, I really like that one. Yeah. I- I think that one's family, yeah, and I, the reason I also ask is so that I can kind of keep up with things, because mm. I don't have any kids, but I have nephews, and so they send me emojis sometimes, and I'm like, mm, Aunt B doesn't know what that is, so uh, yeah. I always kind of selfishly ask for myself. Well, sooner or later, I think there, there there will be no other languages other than the language of emojis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then another quick one that's always a little bit fun to, to learn a little bit more is, what's your favorite holiday? Oh, Thanksgiving, by far and away. It's the, it's the one holiday that puts everything in proper perspective, a chance to, um, to be in gratitude. And, uh, and, and every, I think all of the other holidays are, are, are really good and well-intended, but, boy, Thanksgiving really resonates with me. I like Thanksgiving and as well. It's that's kind of a, a perfect answer. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to just go ahead and jump back into the interview. And so just tell us a little bit about yourself, Al, and a snapshot of your career journey and what brought you to Humana. Well, my name's Al Klein, and I'm, I'm a consultant in IT government. And um, most of you may know me because I do a lot of work with 
but probably more may know of a buzz group of about 14,500, I think there is now, called uh, Mindfulness and Compassion at Humana. And uh, this is a journey of, 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 of the power of mindfulness and compassion of every individual, but also how it helps your, your work and family life as, as, as well as your own sense of well-being. Uh, on the journey to compassion, we use mindfulness, but also listening, kindness, meditation, storytelling, especially during these times of you know, social unrest. Um, I was also honored to be associated with a number of uh, Dare to Care activities where Humana was known as much for our role in the community as it, as it was our, our health care products. Also, um, I did a lot of leadership in Compassionate Louisville and Interfaith Fast to Peace. Uh, and these are the two groups that I probably worked with over 600 mm -hmm. organizations in Louisville because of these two groups and also uh, International Compassionate Cities as well. So. Uh, Louisville was named the, the model city of the year for, for four years in a row, and we had a really bright light shine on us. And, and now we're kind of experiencing uh, some of the shadow work. We get a, a really bright light, and now there's this dark shadow behind it. And we're center stage, and we're hoping that our, that our cultural DNA will, will pull us through and, and show us who we really are. And, and that work, the work there really matters to me. Um, but I was born in the farmlands of uh, northeast Iowa in a town called Manchester, and my dad died when I was two. I had uh, 19 farming uncles, and so, mm -hmm. so I, I found myself to be a free hand. Um, Iowa in terms of an education and hard work, but also the cows don't care if you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my grandfather once owned a farm uh, where Field of Dreams was filmed, and extra in the movie, and found myself awestruck by the celebrities, but also realizing that the difference between enjoying the movie was, was pretty profound. Mm -hmm. um, I was the first in the history of my family to, to go to college. I graduated from Northern Iowa in music, math, and business management. Um, mm -hmm. Culturally, Manchester was a, really a town of bigots. I didn't know it at the time. There were no African Americans, but it was just a, a, a cultural norm for me um, to side against um, the black community and I I just accepted it and 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 moved it on and my stepfather made it very clear um, that it was unacceptable for me to associate with blacks and in my freshman year at college I was put to the test and I failed miserably across the hall was a black person's name was Adrian um, my high school class ring was missing and because he was black um, he must have stolen it so I asked his roommate if I could go through his his things, and he walked in on me, and that was the lowest part of my life. Uh, fully, oh, fully wow. expecting it, I was going to get expelled. And weeks passed, and I finally came up to him and asked him, you know, why didn't he do anything? And he just said, um, because that's not the way my mother raised me, and and it's it's not what's in the Bible. And I forgive you. And mm -hmm. man, in that second, uh, my entire perspective of who, who I was and changed, and and uh, Comfortable going home at the time after that because I didn't it didn't feel right. Um, after I graduated from college, I, I took a job with AC Nielsen Company. I, I like uh, uh, numbers. I did quite a bit of work in advanced statistical and sampling designs. Um, and AC Nielsen Company did uh, they would go in and audit uh, stores. Uh, just to be able to find out pricing movements, product movements, sales, and so forth for 
uh, mostly grocery stores, drug stores, alcohol-related products. But I, uh, there I learned how to supervise people and the difference between um, being educated in school and the realities of business. Um, after that, I moved to Des Moines. Where I took a job with a third-party mm -hmm. broker administrator named Kirk Van Orsdale. It was later purchased by Marsh McLennan for um, affinity groups such as the National Rifle Association, uh, retired officers, American Nurses Association. Mm -hmm. I learned about insurance products, marketing, predictive modeling, Six Sigma testing. Wow. Um, yeah, I was I was mentored by a very skilled that became a good friend and career advisor. Uh, he taught me confidence, you know, having others' value in networking. Uh, I traveled quite a bit and was smitten, smitten by, by the yuppie bug um, when I realized that all the biases in the workplace um, that were not only based on color and religion, but also gender, um, it never quite settled with me. And, um, mm. and this was a long time ago. Um, I met a gal there at when I was working and, um, and uh, we got married and she had two children that I adopted. We also had a third and today they're just all over the country. Uh, one's a traveling nurse, and she's in Seattle, but she moves where nursing is needed, especially in these times of COVID. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a it's a kind of odd pride, fear relationship. But but everyone that has a child, you want them to be happy, and you want them to be the best person they can. But just live in a bubble, you know. <laughs> don't 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 get hurt. Don't you know? I just want to protect mm -hmm. you forever. And, sure. Uh, and Sure. I got a call from a monk um, probably about 30 years ago to run a catalog company called Abbey Press in St. Meinrad, Indiana, southern Indiana. So I moved from Iowa down to, to the Louisville area. Um, and there I learned the, the world of catalogs, lists, merchandising, retail, publications, printing, the and, and, and at the time, the growing space of digital marketing. This um, mm -hmm. business is really a a unique business because your fiercest competitor, you know, that you would need to exchange list with, and there was a very large process and purchasing and owning list. And as it turns out, many of these people that were my fiercest competitors ended up being some of my very mm -hmm. best friends <laughs> because we'd meet and, and, and negotiate so intensely. Um, uh, one of these was a person uh, who took a job at IBM and uh, IBM mm -hmm. asked me to to help with their marketing. And at the time, it didn't seem like it was a big deal, but they were going from a sales-driven strategy to a market-driven one. And, and it may seem subtle, mm -hmm. but when you have a, a, you know, a workforce of 500,000 people, small changes mean, you know, big ripples. And, and every year, I would build the marketing database to end all marketing databases, only to rebuild it again the next year. So, so the idea of listening to your customer or being able to target your customer and finding out, you know, what are their needs and and how do you how do you satisfy their needs was 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 whole was part of the entire process. Um, mm -hmm. So um, um, during this this time too, I ended up getting a divorce um, because. Uh, um, she was uh, just on a different career path, and she was traveling a lot, and I was as well. And uh, one time, we just came home and just said, "Well, um, we're just we're 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 going through the motions," and uh, and we ended up getting a divorce. But I 
I, I, I met and chatted with a gal. It was almost for six years um, mm -hmm. before before I met Liz and we got married. Uh, mm -hmm. We got married like two months after we finally met in, in person. Um, and she had come out of an abusive relationship. And but she uh, she has this gift of music and she has a professional singing voice. And it, it didn't take long um, before. Uh, we got married, but not long after the marriage, about six months later, she uh, she developed ovarian cancer, and, and she was she was given six months to live, like mm. 19 years ago. Um, oh. So I couldn't travel uh, as much of it as I did, and I, I I chose to take Liz with me, and I, I find myself in the caregiver role. Um, and one night in her pain, she made an off comment that I that I wasn't being very compassionate. And, uh, and I didn't know what that really meant. And it hit me really hard. And I realized I had no earthly clue, really, what compassion was. I just knew what the definition was. And 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 all the references before that always felt like it was just being, you know, empathetic or being helping, being pitiful. Um, so 19 years ago, when she was given six months to live, last year, she was finally officially declared in, in remission. So... So wow. the moral of the story is just <laughs> never give up, you know. And I'm German, and I'm a Taurus, and so you can do the math. Wow. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm fairly pretty persistent. Um, mm. But I took a lot of local clients uh, in the Louisville area. I discovered Louisville was a great place to do business, like the Courier-Journal, LG&E, um, Churchill, Zoo. And I never traveled much more than were three hours away. I never flew. Um, but at the same time, I also left the Catholic Church because of all the scandals going on. And I, I went on a religious tour. And the first one I, I came across was a group called Native American group called the Rainbow Spiritual Education Society. And there they, they talked about how wisdom passes through the ages through storytelling and ritual. And during that journey, uh, the executive director of Interfaith passed a piece and I put on a series called uh, What If God Was One of Us, where we would feature a different religion every month and have dialogue. You know, what is it? Um, and these included every faith, including Native Americans, Native Americans and pagans. And oddly, I found myself attracted to my creator much more through nature than sacred text. Um, I eventually back, went back to Catholicism, but, but through an entirely different lens. Um, hmm. Um, I was asked to be on the board of Interfaith Past to Peace, and eventually um, someone, uh, Terry, uh, the, the executive director at, at the time, introduced me to um, Compassionate Louisville, which was something the mayor wanted to get started on. Um, and that changed my life more than I would have ever thought. And the first thing we learned about Compassion was we named her. We named her Lady Compassion. And uh, one of my first lessons was you weren't going to tell Lady Compassion what your business or your marketing plans are. You know, she already knows and you have to listen and not just listen, but I mean, really listen. Mm. She speaks to everybody in different voices and sometimes very forgiving and gentle voices. And then others like, oh, that's too bad. So what are you going to do about it? You know, <laughs> you know? Um, and I learned that pain isn't optional, but suffering is. Uh, mm -hmm. So so much of compassion is understanding pain and having a conversation with it. And I find myself doing that with my wife. She's she's in remission, but she's still in in and her health isn't so good. But it, but I have to balance it, the gentle side and another side 
doesn't allow her to be just pitied. And, right. and that's the art of, that's the art of compassion. And mm. it's, 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 it is an art and it's science as well. Um, but I've been blessed to, to lead Compassion Global, which has afforded me this global perspective and a very corporate one as well. We've had many organizations sign our charter for compassion, including UPS and Yum and Brown Foreman. And the charter isn't binding, but gets every organization has to start thinking about the question, am, am I being compassionate in my mission? And now we're focusing on Martin Luther King's The, the Beloved Community. So, so all of these things I'm, I'm just very passionate about. Well, Al, I, I didn't know your journey. Um, it is, it's, there's so many pieces here that is just unbelievable, but I can see how each part, each, you know, the paths kind of inter, interwove and um, led you to where you are now. And, and may I say, um, awesome for Liz, and I'm glad her health is you know, she was given what six months, and now 19 years later—that's incredible. Yeah. And uh, so, um, wow. And so, as you just mentioned, never give up. And we just had an interview earlier today uh, um, with a breast cancer, um, somebody suffering from breast cancer, and and um, you know, her mindset is much like what you're saying. And um, but anyway, uh, I just I just think how um, how awesome you are. Now I know why your name resonates with me um, as a Humana advocate across the board for many things because of your compassion, because you want to make sure you're out there in the crowds, um, making sure that the work, compassion, mindfulness, all of that is is front and center. So, you know, I appreciate you for that. I thank you. I'm thrilled that you showed, you shared your journey with us, uh, your personal journey, as well as your, your work journey. And um, Tara, Brittany, now we know Al a little bit. Yes. More. Well, I do have a question. So um, congratulations, Al, on being the first to graduate from college. It's a big achievement, so congrats on that. Um, but I noticed that you said music along with math and business management. Can you share a little bit more about the music piece and, and what that means to you? Music was actually my first real experience with mindfulness you ever notice when you get into a song and everything else just disappears mm -hmm. you know there's that magic space in there where it's just you and the song and uh and my grandfather had this wonderful gift of just being able to kind of look at an instrument and be able to pick it up and start playing it and um and and i i'm I've, I've got, but my daughter has it as well. It's, it's just one of those weird things that um, music, you just, it just makes sense to me. And it, it's not only musical and, 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 and the intricate, you know, designs of harmony and melody, uh, but there's something also very mathematical about it. Um, and there's a precision to it. Um, and, and, and when I've, I have a good friend of mine, his name's Dick Sisto, and he's a, he's a jazz uh, pianist, but also vibraphone, and, uh, and, and he'll disappear in the music, um, and his hands will just take over, and I, I, I've done this before, um, I, do, I do drum circles, 
and I'll find myself drumming and then all of a sudden I'm detached and my hands are drumming and I'm not quite aware of it. But it's this, it's this wonderful opportunity to just um, detach and be and watch yourself um, in kind of a different plane. And music is just one of those lovely gifts that, that we are afforded where you're, if you think about your body, it's really not much more than, than energy and, and an arrangement of different vibrations of that energy. And it coalesces in mass um, that, that we can all kind of relate to. But you can feel, and this is, this is one of the things that happened with my wife, is when you're given six months to live and you're on this journey, uh, one of the things we discovered was, was healing drumming. And we would travel up to Cincinnati uh, once a week for about a year and a half. And uh, there was a, a, an artist up there who played the djembe drum, and he would, he would drum over her. And his theory was, when you have cancer, you've lost your vibration. You've lost that pattern. You've lost that passion. And sometimes it just needs to be reset. And he would mm -hmm. drum over her, and on the drive home, uh, vile things would come out of her. We'd have to stop at the restroom, you know, several times, and uh, and no, uh, you know, a certified health professional would ever accredit something like that um, to a recovery. Um, but when you're desperate and you don't know what the next thing is, and all you're given is 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 more radiation and therapy and things that depress you, um, you lose sight of what your purpose is and why you exist and what gives you pleasure and what is that natural vibration pattern that comes from within um, that sometimes you need to be realigned to. Well, I think that's that, a beautiful like interpretation of it. And I'm really happy I asked that question. I, I was not expecting that, but I absolutely... The answer really paid off. Oh, go ahead, Carmen. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I'd never heard of, um, you, you know, of of that. And I think it's interesting in, in how, um, depending on where you are in your walk and in your life, it, what it resonated and it worked. And and um, I, I I find it fascinating to have learned this and understand this and and know that. Um, she, you all are, sounds like crediting part of her health journey to this specific piece, and that is interesting. Well, the thing I learned about cancer is I, I got very few straight answers in terms of, of where it came from or why it came about, right? Um, all, all of the discussions were, well, now that you have it, here's what we can do about it. And, and, and in this journey, uh, and, and having this opportunity to talk to so many different uh, spiritual faiths, um, what I discovered is sometimes you tell yourself you don't have value anymore, and mm -hmm. you don't know why, you know why your life might have purpose. And purpose turns out to be just really, really important. Why do I bring value to humanity? And, and sometimes if you get lost in the fact that you might not feel like you have purpose, 
you may be sending subconscious messages to your brain to say, I don't know if I really need to live anymore. And your mm -hmm. body obliges. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and that's the best thing that I've been able to find out about why cancer all of a sudden manifests itself. And realigning yourself to what your compassion is, what your purpose is, or what gives joy is really important mm -hmm. for me. Well, so I, I can see where you are with the compassion, but completely in part of the compassionate Louisville um, community and so forth. And uh, so and I feel like I know your journey, part of your journey, or I know your journey, but kind of bring us back to where, um, how you landed in your current job um, and how and how did you become interested in this type of work? Well, it's pretty hard to live in this area and not have some kind of humanic connections. And I was the president of the Louisville Direct Marketing Association, and I met a bunch of people from Humana. Um, and uh, and I have a friend of mine that works for Humana now, Wendy, and we introduced some uh, multivariate testing concepts to Humana uh, through another um, organization, and. Uh, and my friend Stacy Wilson at the time uh, at Humana uh, eventually died of cancer. And mm -hmm. uh, and my friends from Humana drifted away, but every now and then I'd check in to see, um, you know, what, what, what the workplace is like. And, and for the most part, they would say, this is not a good fit for you, Al. This is toxic. And uh, I don't think you would thrive well in, in the Humana culture. And, and then Bruce came along and, uh, and they also, safe to come play in the same sandbox so so i wanted a job at wow. human in the first yeah <laughs> i wanted a, i wanted a job at, at wanted a job at humana and the first one i came up with was in it and it was a consultant and i had an opportunity to market my services uh, to all of humana regarding surveys and metrics and uh, analytics uh, and i i didn't really i had gone through the whole management aspirational thing and the corporate you know yuppie stuff um, um, what I really love to do is solve problems and being a consultant. And that's what I've been done, doing for quite a while. And, and so I took the job in February 2014, and a week later I met him. Uh, I met a really great guy, uh, Bill Livingston. And uh, Bill and I have been friends ever since, and we still spend at least an hour getting caught up every week. Uh, Bill used to be a minister, and we have wonderful conversations about about everything and and always seems to have a tint of spirituality in there and and it seems to help ground us but we're so different but we're so similar in many ways and and really that's kind of at the nature of what diversity is all about is is being able to honor the differences within each other no matter how obvious or slight they might be but to be able to honor that space um, so not long after I started, I, I, I wanted to align my mission, my other mission, with compassion. So I started the Buzz Group, and now, like I said, we've got uh, over fourteen thousand, and and we hold regular town meetings and hundreds, you know, learn about uh, well more than hundreds, but about mindfulness, listening, and compassion, and and that's that's the journey. Well, I um, you know, there is. I've been part of those calls. I've been on those calls before. And, um, you know, I know that there's a whole lot to be said about mindfulness and being in the moment and 
And uh, so, you know, mindfulness is is one swim lane. Uh, listening is another swim lane and compassion is another swim lane. Uh, together, it's a beautiful package. And um, just to hear stories, I remember um, some stories from associates that share on the call. I know it's evolved over time. And, um... and that's it for this episode. But the conversation isn't over. Make sure to catch part two next week. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others. 